If you've ever wondered about what goes on behind the scenes at restaurants, then you're in the right place. This podcast takes you inside the minds of restaurant owners, chefs, bartenders, servers, basically anyone who has anything to do with food, drink, or hospitality. I'm Brady Vixilio, owner of Steinhofer's Restaurant and La Bella Italia on Laskin Road in Virginia Beach. Welcome to The Check Podcast. And I'm Alvin Williams, co-host of The Check and owner of Cobalt Grill Restaurant in Hilltop, Virginia Beach. Welcome to our podcast. We'll be talking about restaurants, people who work in restaurants, who own restaurants, and the people who like to dine in restaurants. Alvin, have you made any money this year? Do you want the short answer? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, I thought you were doing okay. Well, we're doing okay. People are coming in through the doors, but of course, we're still uh, 50% capacity and uh, less than that when it rains because we lose our patio. So it's uh, still difficult, but people are coming out. Yeah. I'm I'm kind of just like you, living off savings. Yeah. Um, well, my savings started drying up, so I, I did have a, a rental property, um, a condo, condominium where I used to live, and uh, ended up selling that recently, so kind of out of necessity. You know, um, interesting talking about uh, seating capacity. So this week, which I think it was Thursday, we had a, a private party. Um, obviously, it was less than the 50 people that are required. I think it was 36 or 38 people. And it was a rehearsal dinner and um, it worked out really well. You know, they, they took the main dining room and everyone still wore masks and the tables were socially distant, but it meant that we could have kind of like a private dining situation in that one room and, and it really worked out. But what was interesting is great couple um, that I just met the couple, but I knew their father and he was the one who booked Cobalt for, for their rehearsal dinner. But they had started off with their wedding plans for 250 people. Wow. And at some point they were able to do that because you could have gatherings of, of that size. And then it got chopped. So then they chopped it down to, you know, 200 and then 200 and it just kept getting cut and cut and cut. Um, so our rehearsal dinner we did for them, I think it was 38 people. But their wedding the next day, they said that they were going to do three separate events of 50 people. So they had one thing at one space for 50 and then someone was going to clean that space. And then they went to another place somewhere else and did it again with another 50 people and then went back to the original place that had been then cleaned up and do it again. So they had three... Three weddings or three receptions? Well, I, I think there were three receptions. I, I think they did maybe one wedding and then the three three different reception parties. And <laughs> I'm like, man, this is crazy. But there were good sports about it. You know, he, he had a really good positive outlook and he was like you know what we, we just got to do what we got to do and we love these people and we want them to share in our day so if it means that we got to do three separate events then that's what we're going to do so i just thought it was a lot to ask but but they did it just have to adapt that's the thing i think the those of us who are able to adapt or those are, are going to be successful in, in the end i mean i think that um eventually we're going to get through this i don't know if it's going to be another year or another month who knows but eventually we're going to get through it and i think the people who stick it out and fight through it are the i mean the restaurant operators owners employees they're the ones that are going to be on the top of the industry well we don't want to see any restaurants fail but it's certainly thinning out the the pile a little bit places are closing fortunately we're still here we squeezed in a couple of weddings 
on that when they could have uh, when we had that 250 gathering. It, they weren't that big, but I think one was 80 and one was 65 or something like that. And um, and we, it was just that one. I think we had only a couple weekends that we had that capacity. Right. And they were both in one one of those weekends. I think they were lucky. One of them had been rescheduled maybe half a dozen times throughout this whole thing. Another thing we did is we put up uh, cabanas in the, on the back lawn. Of course, they're like everything on our back lawn. It's socially distant and a little bit of protection from the, from the weather and gives you shade and a nice little private area to have a party of, you know, 10 or 15 people. Yeah. And, uh, and those have got done quite well. It's nice. We've had a, we have a friend who she's rescheduled her wedding like three times and finally it's just like, look, we're just not doing it until next year or something. Cause you know, you got to send out invitations and then you got to, you know, organize and hold rooms and put on deposits for, you know, photographers and for cakes and for the, the venues. And it's, it's just really tough. It's really tough. Obviously the weddings and larger events have, have waned or been postponed. But Alvin, have you seen the same number of people celebrating like couples and small groups celebrating birthdays, anniversaries? Yeah, people are, are definitely still coming out and doing those uh, smaller gatherings for birthdays and anniversaries. Usually parties of, you know, 8 to 12. Tonight we've got a birthday party. They're coming in, 20 people. So we've got a, a little section off of them so they're, they're away from other people. But people are still coming out and celebrating, which is great. But again, we're, we've got to socially distance our tables six feet apart from each other. And my concern, not to be negative Nelly, but, you know, we're, summer's going to be done soon and we're going to be going into the winter months and we're not going to have that outside seating anymore. Well, plus, it's raining every, every <laughs> now, day. Now it rains. <laughs> every time we ring the dinner bell, it starts raining. <laughs> so so we lose our patio seating. So, you got uh, a bell over there? No, we don't. Well, it's figure to him, well, you know, around four o'clock in the afternoon, it starts raining. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, we just put the tables out and sanitized them and cleaned them and got everything ready. And then here comes the rain. Yep. Happens to us, too. And then the rain goes away and it's squishy in, in my on my lawn. But like you said, the, we're, we're just adapting. A lot of people have asked me about the scalability. You know, why Why can't you scale a restaurant? Why can't you just scale down and still be sort of successful? I mean, you're just, you know, half the people come in, so you make half the money. Well, I think what people need to realize is we still have the same overhead costs. You know, we, we still have to turn on all the lights. Um, you know, we have to have the gas and we have to have the same amount of staff. Um, so all the overheads are still the same. Rent, you know, those costs don't go down. They're still there. So it's hard to to scale and make things work like they used to when you only have a, a certain percentage of your, your guests. Yeah, that's right. Um, I've seen that as well on my end. And, uh, you know, a lot of people don't understand exactly how the finances work in a restaurant. Um, and not to interrupt, I, I say it's hard. It's it's not that it's just hard. It's it's impossible. Yeah. It's, it's not an achievable thing to do. Right. You know, which is why, you know, we've closed our restaurant for lunch. We've been open 20 years and we've always done lunch. But now if we serve lunch, with which is a, a lower check average, and we still have the socially distant table, so we can only serve half the amount of people, but we still have to have payroll, and we still have to have you know the air conditioning on, and the lights, and the cooks, and everything else, we'd actually be going backwards. We would hurt ourselves if we opened for lunch. We would end up closing for lunch and dinner if we, if we offered that service at this point. I mean, my payroll is similar to where it was, 
pre-COVID. I mean, it's it's not much lower, but my sales are much more lower. But the sun will come out tomorrow. <laughs> we, we can't we can't get buried in this because we'll get dark and gloomy. Yeah, but I right. think you know at some point things are going to be better. Yeah, let me try to explain a little bit of of the finances of, of a restaurant so we understand Alvin's statement about the impossibility of scalability with success. So food, liquor, beer, wine, labor, if everything's going right, it's about 70% of your gross. Then you add in your rent, probably 10%, utilities and all that kind of thing, 5 to 10%. I mean, you're up at 90% of the dollar that's going to expenses. You turn off the faucet of the people coming in the front door or they're only coming two days a week. There's, there's just no way. There's no way that you can turn a profit. Only busy restaurants make money. You only make money on busy nights. And on slow nights, you lose money. And it's it's what we deal with every day, and it's how it works. We're used to it. You know, busy months, we make money. Slow months, we lose money. And, and it's seasonal, and it goes around. And, uh, you know, a lot of people close down when it gets slower. You have seasonal restaurants, like uh, we talked to Sam again, and he he wanted to be the 12 month a year restaurant on the in, in duck and and it's i'm sure he's had to make some serious financial sacrifices to do that yeah but so basically the the busier nights make up for the slower nights to kind of balance and even everything out but on those busier nights which we expect to be thursday friday saturday if for some reason it's not busy because of rain or because we can't use our outdoor seating or something then we're going backwards because you have either no profit or you have loss. Yeah, and we're we're not balancing for those slow Mondays or, or Tuesdays. And for Sam, Sam again and the Blue Point and, and those kind of seasonal restaurants, they have to kill it in those busy months to get them through the winter, right? Because they still have to keep on their staff payroll and they still have to keep their their restaurants open. So they got to make money in, in those you know four or five months, right? And when I said your utilities and your and your rent could be as much as 15%. That 15% grows really quickly when your gross is half of what it what, what it should be. It, it turns into 30%. Yeah. And if your if your expenses are uh, let's see I mean you're that's just occupancy costs plus food plus labor. You're already at 100%. And that's and that's if everything's working right. That's if it's working right. And then now you got to account for like some wastage and stuff because you, you got we got extra waste yeah, you're buying food. You're not selling it at the same rate that you used to. So, so your food cost goes up to thirty-five, forty percent. Yeah, and then you got you got to have you got to have your salary guys come in no matter what. Yeah, um, and then you got to try to get your people on the schedule, have them clean or do whatever, keep them busy. And this is why a lot of restaurants are closing, and through no fault of their own. It's not that they're running their restaurants poorly. It's just that they don't have the traffic anymore, and that's due to COVID. Right, and then. Then your AC stops working. <laughs> yeah. On the only busy night you have you have that week. Yeah, of course. Or you get a couple employees call in call in sick on the on the one night that week that you're going to make some money. Yeah. You're two people short. Your AC's not working. <laughs> people come in. It's hot. You're servicing up to par. They leave upset. We have to make a movie about this. <laughs> I think it'd be I think it'd be pretty cool if we we made a movie. What would we call it? The check. <laughs> <laughs> the motion picture the motion, yeah, maybe. maybe Alvin in addition to all these expenses you also have COVID expenses yeah new to us that we never had before I mean like 
to-go boxes and to-go containers, for example. We had them before, but we never did as much to-go. So that's a new expense. Cleaning supplies, of course, we cleaned before, but not like we do now every day with the sanitizer. So we've got new cleaning products and more frequency. So that's added expenditure um, as as well as masks. Masks, um, gloves. Gloves, yeah. What else? I mean, we had gloves before. I have it at Abella and at Steinhober's, I contracted uh, sanitize foggers to come in. They come in weekly. Yeah. So they come in and any surfaces that are touched, they sanitize, so, you know, in, in mass once a week. It just brings you back to zero. Something I thought was interesting. You and I had lunch last week and we went to a little restaurant in Virginia Beach and they served our food in to-go boxes. Mm-hmm. And then they brought the silverware, and it was the takeout the silverware, the, yeah. the little spork thing in, in the in the little wrapper with the with the napkin, salt and pepper. I mean, yeah. Well, we kind of question because, and we're sitting down at a table inside, socially distant, but our food is coming in, and like we're at a picnic or something. And we inquired, and what I think we got out of it was is that they're easier to do that than to have a dishwasher. That's that's true. You either pay a dishwasher yeah. or you buy disposables. Yeah, I just think they were saving and, on, and, on labor. And, I mean, we do both because, you know, we're running a full-service restaurant. Right. We're full-service restaurants. And so we've got dishwashers and disposables. And I think that maybe for us, it's challenging to do a big volume of to-go food and a big volume of for-here food because it's a whole nother kind of layer of complexity of, of preparation and plating. Yeah. When you do that, if you just choose one or the other, I think that would give you some ease and some efficiency. Alvin, we were looking at a website earlier, and it has some statistics that I I think we should share with our listeners. Yeah, sure. The restaurant employment statistics. Yeah. 15.1 million restaurant industry employees in the United States. 1.6 million new restaurant jobs will be created by 2028. These are pre-COVID statistics. Restaurant workforce makes up to 10% of the overall U.S. workforce. That I found pretty interesting. Yeah, it's amazing. Nine in 10 restaurants have fewer than 50 employees. So there's a lot of mom and pop restaurants out there, a lot of small restaurants. How many employees do you have, Alan? Well, right now. um, Before, how about? Before, I I was running at around 25 to 35 employees. Because you got busters and you have servers and you have dishwashers and you have cooks and you, you probably have, do over the course of a year you probably you probably put out 50 or 60 w2s i bet yeah yeah of course so you have lots of rotation of summer workers and kids yeah. that go to school and part-timers yeah but i can go. tell you now in the kitchen three four five people in the kitchen right now i'm probably around the same uh up front so we're we're barely just we're mean barely mean we're barely hitting double figures with with staff mean right mean. that's good well, and Brady, how many stuff have you got right now? At Steinhober's, I've got, I think, closer to 60. On on payroll right now? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, that's pretty big. So you had a lot of workforce stay with you through COVID or they came back? as I've, had, I've hired a lot of people. It's still hard to hire new people. Though. I'm it's trying still to, hard to hire and, people. And they're out there, but they're just not, they're not ready yet, I don't think. Yeah. At Bella, I have about nine people on the payroll right now at Bella. So that's more. With the uh, unemployment, so it was they were getting paid six hundred dollars, and now I believe that they're going to do a four hundred dollar version. And I, I think a quarter of that is supposed to be paid by the state. And I think some of the states are saying, "Hey, we don't have this money. 
to put towards that. Have they put that through yet, or are we still waiting? I don't think they can agree on anything right now. I heard they were trying to do 200 and then trying to do 400, so I don't think anything's solid yet. And I think a lot of the workforce is, is waiting to see what happens with that. So there's a bill, Alvin, that, that's on the um, on the floor right now that they're, they're working on. It's called the Real Economic Support that acknowledges unique restaurants' assistance needed to survive act or restaurant act. Um, is that the one with the $120 billion? $120 billion for relief for restaurants. And the thing is that the name restaurant comes from, it's the same root as restore. Okay. So a restaurant is, is something, it's a restorative thing. It's, a, it's almost like a spa that everybody goes to. You go in in a bad mood. You enjoy a nice meal. You enjoy some good service. Yeah. You're hungry. You're no longer hungry. It fixes things. A yeah. restaurant is a restorative thing. You refuel. Refuel. So not only do we need restaurants as people mm-hmm. in our in our society, but we also need them for like we talked about all the the jobs they create. Not only do they create a I think a vital service to society, communities, but they also provide places for people to work. And, you know, these, these relief acts, a lot of people, they don't think it's fair for restaurants to get this kind of attention. There's plenty of industries that are, that are suffering. I don't know, you know, some people have really, really done well during the pandemic, but restaurants have really taken it on the chin. And a lot of the restaurant problems are government created for our safety, but they're, they're mandated by the government and restrict our ability to run a business. Uh, that's, that's just why that, 120 billion is so important and you think there's a million restaurants in the united states so 120 billion that's uh what's that 1200 dollars per restaurant yeah yeah it's not gonna go too far not gonna go too far but think about all the other industries that you know your restaurant or my little restaurant we affect it's the linen company and it's the the trash guy the garbage disposal and the, the recycler and then there's the, you know, the farmers that we're, we're buying products from. And then there's the vintners that we're buying wine from and, and the beer guy. And there's, there's so many other different revenue streams that come from our restaurant that they're all being affected too. Well, the guy that fixes that AC that broke. Does it? Yeah. The, does, yeah. the person who refinished your tables. The, the um, you know, so many little jobs that, yeah. that you don't think about that. I mean, every time you write a check, you're supporting somebody. Right. And there's a lot of checks we write. So we are restaurants. We are a, a huge nucleus for all these other industries that surround us. And that's why we're so important. Right. And that's why they've now realized that they've, they've got to help us. Well, we have a friend who said every every business deal he's ever done was done in a restaurant somewhere. So <laughs> yeah. we become people's offices as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. Conference rooms and et cetera. Brady, what, what do you think some of the industries are that are thriving since this has happened? I mean, obviously, Amazon, Jeff Bezos, he's, he's, doing, he's doing pretty well out of it. Maybe, maybe Cottonelle, the, the uh, toilet paper suppliers. Well, you know, they're challenged because they've had to basically retool their commercial lines to put out home lines. Because the commercial toilet paper uh-huh. was, was plentiful. Right. Was, they had too much of that. Well, well, they had none of the stuff you use in your house. I mean, you don't go to the gas station and unroll a, a couple of squares of of Charmin. Right. You know, you, it's nice a different three ply. Yeah, it's, yeah, a, it's, different, a, it's a different quality. And that's the, the nice stuff that you get at, at the you know Kroger is the stuff they're out of. So they've had they had to re, and and still there's a lot of people at home. Yeah. So there's still there's still a higher demand on that softer tissue that you use at home. 
So so liquor sales went up too, right? Liquor, so, so. Liquor's up, wine's up, beer's up. Not from us, but Not grocery stores. Us. Grocery stores are, are uh, from what I understand, yeah. they've, they've done okay. Very well, actually. Landscapers. Home Depot, my gosh, that's right. Yeah, Depot? yeah, yeah. Lowe's and Home Depot, they, they, because a lot of people wanted to do projects because they were home. So let's paint this room. Let's do this. Finish this project. Oh, hand sanitizer people, hand sanitizer gloves, people. Those, those, the those, glove people. Yeah, your, they, your paper supplier, like we, uh, we deal with Adams Birch. Yeah. Um, there's a truck that comes twice a week, unloads gloves and to-go boxes. Yeah. And I mean, I, I deliver some pizzas, but I'm not really. That's not really my main thing, but. Domino's Pizza Hut, yeah, fast food restaurants, and and they're, you know, they're all already set up with their drive-through windows and streamlined, and they've already got their systems in place. And man, I was at, I was at Hilltop, I think it was yesterday, and you could barely get through Hilltop because the line at Chick Fil A. I was going to say Chick Fil A. It it was unbelievable, and God bless them. I mean, I'm telling you, their customer service is. Hey, let's is talk about that. I want to talk about Chick Fil A a little bit. You're a big fan. I know that. Well, we'll say why I'm a fan. It's not that I like going to um, fast food restaurants because I because I really do or chains because I don't like to support them and I generally don't like that food. But this one place, Chick Fil A in particular, I like to go there because of their their service. I mean, they make me feel good when I you know they they ask your name and you know how can I help you and they ask so eloquently and then when you get to the window thank you so much and you know my pleasure and and what and it just it's a nice experience right and the, the sandwich is always it's, it's a simple sandwich yeah but it's always very good it's always, always good. cooked properly yeah always warm uh, uh, you know they don't they don't push cold food out of their windows right. your fries are crispy and hot. For me, I, I I gotta tell you, the, the the food is secondary for me. There, I just I really like, and and I'm amazed at how come they always have so much staff. And I, I don't know where they get the staff from. I mean, I wish I could poach some of them, but that's not a nice thing to do. But they they get staff, and they train them well somehow. It's it's a little bit like a like a cult, and it's it's great. It's a service cult, yeah. and it's something that we both try to produce in our own restaurants, or yeah, where services. It's so important. And that's what Chick-fil-A is. It's just, they've realized in the fast food world how important service is. Yeah. And I'm not surprised at how busy they are, but it, it, it does get a little frustrating when they're blocking up Hilltop because everyone's rolling in there. So there are people who are prospering in this. It's So I think the category that's hurting, hurting most is the full service restaurants. Yeah. The fast foods are doing well. The pizza delivery people are doing well. And I think the big chains are, possibly doing okay i mean a lot of those people got got oh. the ppp money but gave it back yeah but uh, that was political i mean i think a lot of them needed it and they gave it back just because they so they wouldn't look, were blowing the whistle so on they wouldn't look bad yeah i mean yeah. i don't know how how well ruth chris is doing and they had to give theirs back yeah um i know danny meyer gave his back danny meyer who is a uh, a new york restaurant owner and restaurant guru has expanded his empire from New York full service restaurants into Shake Shack and he did Shake Shack almost on a lark to try to help revitalize a park. Well, he was, he was full service fine dining and I guess now he's doing a, a fast casual, I guess they call that. that. Well, it's, it's fast food. It's hamburgers and shakes. But, yeah. Yeah. But he's, um, he's done better with that than he has all his other restaurants in history. He does better with one with a, you know, with Shake Shack. Yeah. In a in a month than he does probably a lifetime. He's a other very very astute restaurant tour, and I, I believe he started with a uh, Union Square, 
and, and uh, Gramercy, Gramercy Tavern. Tavern. Yeah, I think he had that with Tom Colicchio, Gramercy Tavern. But uh, just a great restaurateur. So Brady, another industry that's doing real well uh, out of the COVID is uh, bicycles, be it, you know, your regular bike, like the bike shop next to us. They, they, I talk to the manager regularly because he's next door and he was actually collecting our mail for us for a while, seeing as though we closed for lunch. But he says they can't keep bikes in. Yeah, it's amazing. I went to uh, to the sporting goods store to get some running shoes, which fitness equipment is yeah. the other one, and the, they got the empty shelves like at like at the uh, like the toilet paper aisle. Yeah, yeah. it's where the all the bikes go, and that I mean bikes and bike pumps and all that stuff. But that Peloton company, yeah, all they, the, apparently they've just they can't keep them either. They're just you know super sold out. All the all the workout equipment, all anything you do at home, Zoom. Netflix, you know, all the streaming stuff. Now, now the chains that aren't doing well. That um, are not doing well? That are not doing well. Yeah. Outback Steakhouse, IHOP, Denny's, uh, Cheesecake Factory, not doing well. Yeah. Uh, Dave and Buster's. Uh, we've got all of these, you know, close to us. On that list, BJ's Restaurant, Applebee's. Okay. They're all down. All down. All in trouble, according to USA Today. So then what happens to those buildings when they, they vacate? Could be the new Cobalt Grill, I guess. Or it could be more warehouse space for Amazon. Yeah. <laughs> Amazon Amazon Depot. Well, that's what they should be doing is well, buying up all the closed restaurants. And, I think that's and, what they're doing, doing with shopping centers. I think when shopping centers oh go out, I think they're taking large spaces in shopping centers oh and, and using it as, as warehouse space. The world is changing so fast, Alvin. What do we do? <sighs> We've got to stay on board for the ride, man. Yeah. And hopefully figure it out. Start delivering for Amazon. Well, you know, I, I bet you they're going to get into the food business soon. They're the, in it. What, the prepared food? They own Whole Foods. Yep, yep, that's right. Well, I tell you, everybody, support your local restaurant, your mom and pop restaurant. Don't go to Chick-fil-A because you're going to clog up the line for Alvin. <laughs> we want him to be able to get there. <laughs> <laughs> no, we wish no ill will on anyone. <laughs> go to Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A is great. We love Chick-fil-A. Yeah, just go there on Sundays. <laughs> Sunday. Oops. They're closing. Close uh, come on now. They're closed on Sunday. Right, Don't send them in there. All right. Everybody, thanks for listening. Remember, you can uh, check us out at thecheckpodcast.com. You'll see photographs and, and, and all the archives of their previous podcasts that are always fun to listen to. Oh, one more thing. Yeah. Uh, does everybody notice? We I want everybody to look and notice the, um, the transcripts. We have transcripts that sometimes they don't come out. Uh, as quickly as the podcasts come out but we do transcripts for all our podcasts yep. and if you don't have time to listen to the podcast you can read it yeah um, please rate us five stars we now have more than five listeners we've got I think seven now. no, no I think we're a little more than that we're doing alright man we're doing okay so anyway um, I'm Alvin I'm Brady and this is The, the Check, Check.